Ashley Broccoli and Dean, Dolores Fawson's book, Mason, Chapter 20, and the last chapter. Mason handed Abby the small carton of orange juice that he'd gotten from the vending machine. You should drink something, he insisted. She looked up at him from the seat in the surgical waiting room. Her eyes were glazed with fatigue, her shoulders slumped, and it had been a long night. And the end wasn't in sight yet because Boone was in surgery, and the initial report was that he was in critical condition from Stone's gunshot wound, a wound that could ultimately kill him. You should drink something, too, she insisted right back. Mason held up his cup of black coffee for her to see. It was his third. She managed to frown. Something healthier. He would do that later. Maybe they could have a big family breakfast, especially because all his brothers, their wives, the kids, their nannies, and even Bessie were scattered around the room, all waiting for Boone to get out of surgery. His father, Mason mentally corrected, because he had certainly come through for them tonight. He saved Abby, and Macy would, Mason would be internally grateful to him for that. Didn't ease the pass with her, but it was a start. Mel just finished questioning Nicole. Day tailed everyone after finishing yet another call. His brother had taken over trying tying up the loose ends of the investigation. Good thing too, because Mason just wasn't up to it. It would take a while for him to get over how close Abby had come to dying tonight. Grayson clearly felt the same about even his baby, because he had both of them in his lap and was holding on for dear life. Cade was doing pretty much the same to Lynette's. Doesn't look as if Nicole had anything to do with this, Dade added nor Ferguson. Mason agreed Ferguson was dead, but had used his dying breath to say he hadn't been involved. Even though Ferguson was a slimy snake, there had been no reason for him to lie at that point. Plus, even if he had, it didn't matter. He died on the way to the hospital. The man was no longer a threat to Abby or anyone else. Abby opened the orange juice, took a sip, and handed it to him. Mason surrendered and put his coffee on the floor so he could drink. Tasted like acid, probably because his stomach was still churning. He took his hand, drew him down into the seat next to her. Mason went one step further and slipped her, her arm around him so he could pull her closer. His brothers would notice, but he didn't care. He brushed a kiss on her forehead, then her cheek, cheek, and what the heck, he kissed her. In hindsight, he wished he'd done it sooner because the heat from the kiss melted some of that ice in his blood. When he finally pulled back, Abby made a small sound of approval when he's right back into his arms. Don't sell the paint, Mare. Now that was not something Mason expected her to say. He cocked his head so he could meet her gaze in her second round of the past five minutes. Settles my mind to think of the horses and the ranch, she mumbled as if he would understand. And he did, because it was exactly how he felt. The ranch was what centered him, always had. Well, until now, disturbed him a little to think that the kiss with Abby had done the same thing, maybe better. The only person who can handle that mare is you, Mason pointed out. He had intended that to sound like an invitation with strings attached, but it was. She stared at him. Does that mean I have my job back? He stared back at her as a minimum, a really low minimum. Mason realized he had things to say to her, but he needed to lay some groundwork for her. We'll need to get official approval from Marshall McKinney. But with Ferguson and Stone out of the picture, there's no reason for you to go back into witness protection. So I could work with the mayor, Abby nodded, paused, her mouth quivering a little. Would I get to sleep with the boss? Okay, the ground one was going pretty darn fast. As often as you want. Now she smiled. Good, because I like that often. She slipped her hand around the back of his neck, drew him in closer, and kissed him. She tasted like sunshine. 
Mason didn't think the juice was responsible for that. He kissed her until his breath was thin, until his mind was jumbled from the heat, and until he heard someone clear the throat. Gage. He was grinning at them, but Mason realized that they'd become the center of everyone's attention. None of the adults were sleeping now. All eyes were fixed on them. Oh, man, he's not the sort of person to make public announcements about his feelings, but every single one of them probably knew or suspected that he'd taken Abby to his bed, and not just his bed. Heck, he'd taken her virginity, but even that didn't seem to play into this. Strange. Mason had thought that being Abby's first would somehow make him feel as if he'd been trapped in a foxhole. However, what he was feeling wasn't of the trap variety. Mason looked at his family, then at Abby, and he thought about the future, not about the marriage train, not about sleeping with the boss, even though he really liked that idea. However, what he liked most was that she loved him. She said it more than once, and Mason believed her. She loved him. He didn't know why. He damn sure didn't deserve it, but she loved him anyway. And there was something else. I'm in love with Abby. He let everyone know. Best to get it out of there in the open. Then he looked at Abby to see what her reaction was. She smiled, just smiled, before she kissed him again. About time you figured it out, Grayson moaned. He's always been slow. Gage Pipin called to Nate Cad Day to pop their heads in agreement. I'm sitting right here. Mason reminded him when he proked the kiss. I can hear you. They were clearly clearly all aware of that, and they were also enjoying this a little too much. Later, he'd sneak Abby off for some private kisses and some other stuff. Maybe I'll like, You love me? She was pretty good. Yeah, I do. You agree with that? Better than okay. The next kiss was a little too long and hot, considering they still had an audience. And it means they get to work with the mayor. <laughs> she she worked, winked at him. Mason laughed, working something. You're right. I think you got pretty good shot at job security. The smiles and the light moved vanished when the waiting room door opened. Dr. Mickelson walked in. Mason had known the doc his entire life and had never been able to read his face. This time was no different. Bane made it through surgery, he finally said. That set off a flurry of long breaths and sighs of relief, but none of them said a word. A few stood, all stared and waited. The bullet damaged his lungs and one of his kidneys, but we managed to repair everything. He still listed in serious condition and in the recovery room next door, which normally means he wouldn't be seeing anyone right now, but he's asking for all of you. There are some rules, the doctor said when they all started to move in the direction of the recovery. This incident will last a minute. Maybe last enough of you will say anything too upsetting. You saved Abby, Mason said. I just want to thank him and welcome him back to the ranch. Mason stared at the others, waiting for an objection. He got a few raised eyebrows, a shrug or two, but no one objected. All right, the doctor nodded this way, but for the record, I'm getting a little tired of stitching up Rylands. The next time I see any of you back in here, it better be for baby deliveries and nothing more serious than the sniffles. Dr. Milkison looked first at Lynette and then at Darcy, who were both in the early stages of pregnancy. Kayla, too, they proudly announced, and he gave his wife Billy a follow-up pat. We just found out this morning. Normally, this would be the point where Mason would have groaned and made a comment about not changing diapers or babysitting. Those things were starting to grow on him, too. A little. Boom, better get well fast, the doctor wrote. That'll make what? Six grandkids and three more on the way. You'll go your own baseball team there. While the doctor herded them into recovery, he also scooped Chet from Eve's arm and gave the baby a quick examination. The baby was fine, Mason knew, because both Eve and Chet had been examined after they brought brought Boone in for surgery. Somehow Mason and Abby ended up at the head of the clan, but they all managed to stuff themselves into the room. 
Abby made a small sound in her throat. Definitely not a happy sound. Probably because Boone looked weak and pale. His eyes were barely open, barely focused, but his gaze swept over them and smiled. The dork says you can come home in a day or two, Bessie volunteered. His smile was weak, but it won. I like that, but I don't want to cause any trouble. No one uttered anything. You could have heard a blasted pinion. It won't be trouble, Mason finally said, and it was the truth. Boone's eyes watered, and he nodded. Truth was, Mason's eyes watered, too. And when he looked at Abby, he saw the tears rolling down her face. The minute's up, the doctor now. Maybe Boone needs his rest. We'll be back in the morning, Mason let us follow him. When Boone reached out for him, Mason gave his hand. Thank you for saving Abby and for everything else you did tonight. The others came forward, echoing what Mason had said. Then they each filed out. That was kind of you, Abby whispered when they were in the hall. Mason wiped the tears off me, saying, I love you must have put me in a good mood either. That and the fact that we're all alive and mostly in one piece. Yes, there is that. She slipped her arm around his waist, pulling him closer. It not only felt good, it felt right. Get a room, Cad joked, nudging Mason with his elbow. It was a little funnier than it should have been because Cad was practically wrapped around his wife, Bree. But a room wasn't a bad idea. Maybe when Boone was out of the hospital, Mason can wish Abby off on a much-needed vacation. That felt right, too. In fact, despite the ordeal they'd been through, the whole moment seemed as right as it could get. Mason stopped, then his, his family streamed past, and he looked down at Abby. I don't want to be just your first lover. I want to be your last. <laughs> Except that didn't sound the way he meant it to be. What I mean, he tried again, is that I don't want you to be with anyone other than me. She smiled. Well, considering I'm in love with you, that won't be much of a hardship. Have we got them moving again? But again, Mason stopped. No, it won't, but I want more than a lack of hardship. Which sounded stupid, but he was tongue-tied here. Heck, he just went for it. I want you to marry me, Mason blurted out. The sea of streaming Rylands froze. Once again, all eyes were on them. Abby just stared, too, and she was holding her breath. She had frozen the look on her face. Say yes, so we can go home, they complained. Grayson landed Say yes, only if that's what you want to do, he said, using his big brother tone. Make him suffer a little bit first. Mason gave them all dirty look. Can we have some privacy here? No, they answered in unison. Say yes, Abby. She released the breath she'd been holding, probably because she didn't have a choice. She was starting to turn a little blimp. Yes, she whispered, but it was loud enough for everyone to hear. The whoops and cheers came, followed by a yell from Doc and Milkerson for them to hush and leave. They started to trickle out again, but Mason wasn't going to wait until they got outside to clear this up. You don't have to say yes because my brothers pressure you. He let Abby know. She came up on her toes, smiled. No pressure, she said. Mason Riley, I want to spend tonight and the rest of my life with you. Got that? Yeah, you got that. Mason pulled out closer and sealed that deal with a kiss. See you.